0: Our reading this morning is taken from the book of the prophet Zechariah, chapter 9, starting at verse 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, daughter of Jerusalem! See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a coat, the foal of a donkey... I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit Return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I will bend Judah as I bend my bow and fill it with Ephraim. I will rouse your sons, O Zion, against your sons, O Greece, and make you like a warrior's sword. This is the word of the Lord.
1: let's pray Lord Jesus as we remember how you entered Jerusalem with the crowd waving palm branches we pray that you would purify our hearts that you might that we might be those who welcome you, who see you as king and saviour, who trust in you. Would you open our ears and our hearts to hear from you this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wonder if you've um, ever tried to do that really strange thing that's actually quite tricky to do, which is uh, when you come across a non-native of this country to try to explain what we do on November the 5th. Have you ever tried that? Of course, we spend uh, all our money on uh, fireworks to go up in the air and to burn away um, just like that. And we make an effigy of a traitor a criminal, this chap called Guy Fawkes, which we then put on a bonfire and burn. Why do we do that? Well, obviously, it's to commemorate a failed attempt to blow up the Houses of Parliament 400 years ago. And we have to retell that story to keep it alive in our minds and in our heads Now, I think that's important because when we come to the story of Palm Sunday, we need to know that some events are loaded with significance. It's not just the act. It's what lies behind the act. It's the story behind the act that we need to remember. And that's why we need to go back in history. That's why we've had this reading today from Zechariah. We need to go back to Israel under the Persian Empire in 500 BC to understand the events of Palm Sunday. Because having returned from from exile, the Israelites experienced once again the domination of another power over them. They knew subjugation and they longed for freedom. And then he just fast forward 500 years to AD 30 or there and thereabouts. And the city of Jerusalem is ruled this time by Romans. Pontius Pilate, married to a woman who's a distant relative of Caesar, is the governor. And he's got a really weak record of keeping public order. And so his soldiers are out in force. It's early spring. It's less than a week before the Jewish Passover. And so things in Jerusalem are really quite tense. All was quiet yesterday. And that's only to be expected because it was the Sabbath. But this morning, the place is thronging with crowds. And the Roman soldiers are watching on nervously. It's a tr- traditional time for riots. And the soldiers are on their guard. And just outside Jerusalem to the east, in a little place called Bethany, there is a noisy, agitated crowd. Instructions are given to find a colt, the foal of a donkey, and to bring it to Jesus. And that's where we pick up the story in Mark eleven. Those who went sorry, many people spread their cloaks on the road. While others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. You see, the crowds are shouting, Hosanna! Coats are laid on the road. Palm branches are being waved around. That's like a sign of of Jewish nationalism, those palm branches. It's like the French tricolor being waved in Nazi-occupied France. Or it's like waving the Palestinian flag in some parts of Israel today. What is Jesus saying in this remarkable story? Well, first of all, I think he's saying, I am the fulfillment. I'm the completion of all that's in the Old Testament. Jesus' story is told within the context of Old Testament scripture. And God's promise to Abraham that through him, all nations will be blessed. This story is told in the context of Zechariah, when God's people returned from exile from Babylon to Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And they'd been promised that in 70 years, God's kingdom and his rule would come again. And in Zechariah's time, the 70 years was almost up. So the question for the people in Zechariah's day was this. How will God's purposes be established when there's still chaos all around? How are his purposes going to be established when there is still a foreign power who is dominating? How are his purposes going to be established when there's chaos everywhere? Jesus is the fulfillment of all the hopes and prayers of the people of Israel. He's a fulfillment of the scriptures. And on this occasion, I think he does it in two main ways. Firstly, he proclaimed himself as king. And secondly, he proclaimed himself as rescuer. Riding into Jerusalem on a donkey is a statement. It's an unmistakable claim. As Jesus rode into Jerusalem, he was claiming to be the king of Zechariah 9. See, your king comes to you. Your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I'm not sure if anyone that day really understood the sort of king that he was. They didn't understand that he was the king of suffering, that he was the king of humility before he would step into his glory. You see, they wanted a liberator, a saviour from Roman rule. And they didn't understand that he was a king who would come riding on a donkey. Take a look at that passage in Zechariah to understand the story that is behind the story. The king to come is righteous. He stands up for what is right. He brings victory to the oppressed and the innocent. He's gentle or humble. He's coming not with power, not riding on a war horse or a chariot, but riding on a donkey. The king is riding on a farmyard donkey. This was a great promise to the Israelites in Zechariah's day. And it was being enacted in Jesus. Look beyond the chaos, he's saying. And hope for the coming kingdom of God. So the question, of course, is, well, who is the king of this kingdom? If we look down to verse 10 in Zechariah 9, we see he's a king who will proclaim peace to the nations. Whose rule will extend from sea to sea, from the river to the ends of the earth. His reign will result in world peace for all the nations. He promises an answer to that universal longing that we all have to see peace reign. So the atrocities of the terrorists, or what we see in Palestine and Israel or Syria or Yemen or elsewhere, that those atrocities, that war might be overcome. He's a king who brings peace, but not through power, but through sacrifice. Look at verse 11. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners. Because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners. Do you see how this points forward to the cross? In fulfilling this prophecy, we're given an indication that the king brings peace and freedom, not through war, but through his own death, through the blood of the covenant with us. So I wonder what you expect from King Jesus. Because the crowd on that day expected a different kind of king, a king that would lead them out of political suppression into freedom. They got a righteous, gentle, humble, suffering servant who claimed to be a king. You can almost imagine them crying out, can't you? What do we want? We want a king. When do we want him? Now. That was the words in the hearts of the people then and it's the words in our hearts today as well. It's just that if we're honest, we're not sure what we want this king to be. We want a king, perhaps the king of self or the king of success or the king of the perfect family or the king of good health, but not a king who ends up on a wooden gibbet. Many of us want a Jesus who we bring out at Easter or on a Sunday morning, but who who we can then put away again at other times in our year or our week. Many of us want a Jesus who will do what we want right here and right now. A Jesus who is king of the church service, but who isn't king over all of our lives. Palm Sunday does not give us that option. It says to his followers, here is the king. The awaited king who will blow apart your expectations of who he is. Righteous, gentle, humble, a suffering servant who died to deal with our sin. A king of the Jews, yes, but a king of all people who proclaims peace to the nations, whose rule will extend to the ends of the earth. He is the king. But do you notice that Zechariah's king comes as righteous and Having salvation. That's an interesting term, isn't it? What does that mean? Having salvation. I think it points to Jesus as our rescuer. Because as Jesus enters the politically charged cauldron of Jerusalem, amid all the expectation and hype, amongst a people who are eager for rescue from the military and political rule of the Romans... The crowds shout the words of Psalm 118. "Hosanna," they shout. "Save, please!" It would have been the shouted in the desperation of Zechariah's day as much as in Jesus' day. And if we're honest, it's a cry that we shout too, isn't it? Save us, please. There's nothing we can do. Look at the chaos around us. Save us, please. And over time, this shout became a shout of hope. It used to mean save, please, but gradually it came uh, to mean salvation. Salvation has come. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So the cry for help is almost answered before it's spoken. If you like, it used to be what uh, you would say when you fell into the river and you couldn't swim. Save, please. But it came to be what you would say when you saw the lifeguard coming to save you. It's the bubbling over of a heart that sees hope and joy and salvation on the way and can't keep it in. So Hosanna means let's hear it for the rescue. It's coming, it's here. Salvation is here. So on this Palm Sunday, as Jesus enters Jerusalem, the crowd are crying to God to break in and to save now that the Messiah has come. What do we want? We want rescue. When do we want it? Now. Salvation is on the way. Just look, the rescue is here. But just as the crowd's expectations of the king were slightly amiss, so were their expectations of a rescuer. Because the rescue was not for freedom from political oppression, but from the pollution of sin. We've seen that it's the blood of the covenant which brings rescue to the prisoners. Blood spilled out. The lamb who was slain. Salvation is on the way. You can see it coming. But it's not quite as we expected it, is it? It's the way of Calvary. What do we want? We want rescue. When do we want it? Now. It's what the crowd shouted, and it's what we shout. But God knew that there was only one way to reconcile himself to us. That the vast river of sin in which we were drowning required a very particular rescuer. God himself, king and savior to endure death for us. That we might be forgiven and live as his people under his kingship. You and I would never have written the story like this. But God so loved the world that he wrote it like this. He so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not die, shall not drown, but shall know the rescuer in front of them, shall have eternal life. The theologian Chris Wright expresses it nicely. He said this, If Jesus had allowed himself to be the king the crowds wanted, he would never have been able to have been the saviour the crowds needed. So I have to ask, are you allowing Jesus to be the saviour you need rather than the king you want? When you join the crowds or the people of Zechariah's day to shout, what do we want? We want rescue. When do we want it now? Will you accept the rescue that's been offered and live in the light of that rescue until he returns? Or are you going to fashion your own rescue plan in the shape of a king or a rescuer which is acceptable to you, which comfortably fits your way of life, your worldview and gives you what you need right now. Zechariah's message is that a future messianic kingdom will only come when God's people are faithful to the covenant. And friends, on this side of the cross, we know a new covenant. And it's the free gift of rescue, of salvation. It's the gift that Jeremiah spoke of when he said, that law will be written on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. At Palm Sunday, Jesus enacts a claim which is infused with meaning because of the reaction of the palm branch waving, Hosanna shouting crowd. Jesus doesn't seem to put them right, to correct them. And the rest of his life and death goes on to show that he was and is both king and rescuer. The one who will never let us down. See, Jesus wanted his disciples and I think he wanted us to understand that we can trust him. I think that's what that bizarre story about all the instructions with the donkeys is about at the start of the Palm Sunday story. Have you ever wondered why that's there? Go and collect the donkey, and if anyone challenges you, say that the master needs it. Why is that detail in the story? Well, the allusions to Zechariah are clear, aren't they, with the donkey? But I think there's more than that. I think Jesus is forever setting out a principle that his words and that he can be trusted. That just as we can see how all that was said in Zechariah and in the Old Testament points to Jesus' first coming, so we can be sure that those prophecies of his second coming will also be fulfilled. He will return to reign as king, he will return to bring peace, he will return to bring the future that Zechariah tells us about a few verses later in verse 16. He says this, the Lord their God will save them on that day as the flock of his people. He'll be a shepherd to us. They will sparkle in his land like jewels in a crown. That's you and I. Jewels in the crown that God holds. He has rescued, he is king, and he will return for his people. It's going to be as Jesus has said it. We live knowing the victory that Jesus has on the cross, but waiting for the consummation of it. We live knowing that he's king, but waiting for every knee to bow. We live knowing that the power of sin is broken, and yet the presence of sin is still here. So if you're struggling to hold on to the promises of Jesus today, that he loves you, that he forgives you, that he cares for you, that he has a hope and a future for you, then I think Palm Sunday is great news. If you are inwardly yearning for a rescuer, and you want that rescuer right now, and as I look out and I know that some of you are struggling with illnesses, with long-term health issues, with children who struggle in different ways with addictions or with mental health issues. As I look out and I see those of you who are struggling in marriages or with employment, I think the Palm Sunday story speaks a huge amount into all of this. It says this, If you can trust me in the small details of donkeys, if you can trust me that the great sweep of the Old Testament is fulfilled in Jesus... Then of course you can trust me. You can trust me as I walk a strange path of suffering and death that you might live. You can trust me when I will say, I will be with you and I won't leave you. You can trust me when I say, I will make all things right in the end. I'm the king, says Jesus, and my kingdom is coming. In entering Jerusalem on a donkey, in fulfilling scripture, Jesus purposefully points to the crescendo of his life as an act of sacrifice, of suffering, of humility, because he loves us and he's willing to lay down his life for us. That's the road to the cross. And his rightful crowning as king forever in glory will come later. So the question for us is this, do we trust him? Do we trust him with the chaos of our lives? As we long for a rescuer and as we long for one to come now, do we trust in the one who has done all that is sufficient to be our rescuer? Do we trust in the one who says, I will come again, and make all things right, whatever your chaos is? Will we walk with him through Easter to see how this king is also rescuer? And will we realize that he doesn't just do this for the people of thousands of years ago, but he does it for you and me today? Will we embrace And trust the king and rescuer to make all things right when he returns. Friends, walk with him through this holy week. There is great, great news of a king and a rescuer in whom we can trust. Let's pray. Rejoice greatly. See your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the fulfillment of scripture that we see in you. We thank you that you not only rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, but that you gave your life That a new covenant might be created by your blood, a free gift of rescue, of salvation. And so, Lord Jesus, we pray that we would honor and glorify the King in our lives, and we offer to you our chaos. And we say, Lord Jesus, we will trust in you. You are the king and the rescuer. And you will fulfill your promises. And we pray with certainty. Because Jesus died and rose again. He lives and he prays for us. Lord Jesus, we worship you. Amen.